0: You're always in control. You can say, No, I don't want one in my head, or No, I don't want one in my ear. But I think just being open to the experience is awesome. And it is really calming. So it's a great way to help with anxiety or help with fear, um, get clarity, get focus, that kind of thing. Just Man's the podcast.
1: Up, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Just Man's the Podcast. It's your host, Amanda, and if you guys are new here, welcome. Thank you for being here. If you aren't new here, hey, how's it going? Glad you came back. We have lots to chat about first before I get into the episode. First thing I want to tell you guys is I finally finished college. This day has been four years coming, and I just feel so weird. And excited and accomplished, but very weird about announcing that I am no longer in college. Very weird. You know, you go through 18 plus years of school and then to just one day that not being your path anymore. And so it's just, it's an adjustment, you know, I literally submitted my last assignment ever and it was crazy to see the degree audit go from one missing to all requirements met. It's so, so, again, just weird. That's my overall feeling about being a college grad is it's weird. It's freaking weird. It also feels very uneventful because I didn't get to experience the last three months of my college experience and I didn't get a graduation. So graduating college, even though it's a very big moment in my life, it does not feel that eventful. I talked about this in an Instagram caption last week, I believe, basically just being like, you know, it feels very uneventful that I graduated college because there's no big event. There's no big party to kind of commemorate it. And I think it's just making me realize a life lesson (laughs) that not everything has to feel monumental to be monumental. And sometimes accomplishing things can still feel incredible and still feel like an accomplishment without having to celebrate them. So, even though I didn't have a graduation, I am officially a college grad. Again, it's so weird, but in true just man's fashion, I am still learning and studying because I don't know what else to do with my time. So I'm currently studying to get my personal trainer's certificate so that hopefully I'll be able to teach some group fitness classes and even do a little one-on-one personal training with women. I think that would be something really fun to do. I am scheduled to take that personal trainer's certificate exam on August 6th, so cross your fingers, wish me luck. Let's hope your girl gets the freaking certificate and is able to teach classes because that would be so, that'd be like the best job for me right now. You know, Just Man's is what I really want to pursue as my career, my blog, my podcast, my YouTube. I really want to promote my message and spread my message and help other people learn and educate women through my platforms of social media However, I also want to do something on the side right now, so I think being a personal trainer would just be awesome, and hopefully I pass that exam, because if not, well, then my studying is a freaking waste. Ooh, apartment updates. So if you guys don't know already, Lucas and I just got an apartment. We're moving in August 2nd, and we're so freaking excited. Like, I I can't even tell you. I have dreams about living with Lucas in our apartment dead ass. Like they're vivid dreams. It's our unit dream. I dream about it. That's what I dream about babies in apartments. So we made some moves. We finally got a mattress and okay. We were looking at, (laughs) I'm, I'm discovering that I'm very cheap when it comes to apartment furniture, because I'm thinking like, I'm not going to be in this apartment forever. Why do I need to invest a ton of money on furniture that I'm not even going to be able to bring with me? By the end of the lease. So I really took the time to figure out which pieces of furniture I really wanted to invest in. And when it came down to it, Lucas and I both agreed that the couch and the mattress were the two things that we were going to be willing to spend a lot of money on. So we got the mattress. We actually went to Denver Mattress Company and we took advantage of that freaking 4th of July sale, yo. Okay. We took advantage of that sale and got a really good deal on a mattress which I'm super happy about. But yeah, everything else I'm still kind of searching for. So we have the dining table. We got that. We have the couch, we have the ottoman, we have our bed frame and our mattress. And now we just need some dining chairs, some bar stools, some end tables and side tables, and then I think a standing mirror and I'm going to call it a day because I just I want to get the essentials and then we'll get into the apartment and kind of learn as we go and figure out what we need and what we don't need still. But yeah, Wayfair is pretty much my best friend right now. I just don't really want to look at any other apartment furniture website because Wayfair has the best deals and actually has really cool things. So there are a few other things I want to update you guys with and it's basically my social media uploading schedule. So YouTube I'm getting way more into and you guys can expect a new video every week. So I'm going to be uploading a new video on Wednesdays. And I think I'm shooting for every Wednesday, but if not, it's going to be every other Wednesday. But every Wednesday I think I'm gonna be able to do. So that's gonna be my YouTube uploading schedule and you guys can send me your recommendations, suggestions of what kind of videos you wanna see, but I already have a lot of cool videos, fun videos planned out and I'm super excited about getting more into that. I will also be doing a apartment series on my YouTube channel. So kind of taking you guys through apartment shopping, when we get into the apartment, apartment budgeting and how I did that. It's going to be really fun. If you guys are interior design junkies or love just apartment furniture shopping, you guys are going to love the series that's going to come up. All right. So my blog, I'm still kicking it over on my blog. If you guys don't know, I started my blog in 2004, 15, 2015. I started my blog. I was 17, 16, 17. I think I was 17 and I've gone Kind of in and out of posting. I haven't really been super consistent over there. However, I'm getting more consistent and there will be a new blog post every Friday. So again, like my YouTube, I'm shooting for every Friday, but if not, it's going to be every other Friday. You can expect at least two blog posts a month. So still kicking it over there. You can expect some poetry, some writing, some journals, and then everything under the realm of health and wellness, working out, Travel, fashion, pregnancy, just life. All right. And because I'm updating you guys, I feel like I need to give you a pregnancy update. I am currently 29 weeks pregnant. So when I'm recording this, I will be 29 weeks pregnant tomorrow. However, when this episode goes live, I'll be 29 weeks and I'm starting to get really uncomfortable. So I'm the type of person that whenever I feel off, I just want to fix it. I want to go to acupuncture. I want to get a massage. I want to take this superfood or cut this out of my diet. Or I'm, I'm just a very action-oriented person. So whenever there's something off feeling in my body, I just want to do everything I can to fix it. But another learning life lesson for me is... You know, during pregnancy, you're going to have aches, you're going to have pains, you're going to have discomforts, you're going to be uncomfortable. That's just a part of the damn process. And I feel like for the last couple of weeks, I've just been really learning to surrender to that fact and not, and try not to get really discouraged or frustrated when I'm not feeling the best. Because, for example, I went on a hike yesterday. It really wasn't even a hike. I don't even, Think I would consider it a hike if I wasn't pregnant. It was more of a stroll, and the way back to the trailhead, it was more of like an uphill. But it was really freaking hard for me. Like I almost tripped five million times because my equilibrium is like off, and my balance is just shot. I was sitting steady at like one forty beats per minute, just huffing and puffing the whole time, and it was it was hard for me. I felt really uncomfortable in my body. I'm carrying like fifteen extra new pounds, so. That was definitely my last hike until this baby pops out. But yeah, I'm just having to really learn and relearn my body and and kind of understand what works for me at this moment and learn to not get down about it because that's something that I've been noticing lately is, is I just get really down when my body doesn't move the way that it did before. But I'm learning to just recognize that. It's a part of the process and there's going to be bad days with the good days. So getting uncomfortable, but it's a growing experience and I'm keeping a positive mindset and there are still movements that are feeling really good in my body. So I love Orange Theory still. Today, I actually did the first 60-minute class back since before quarantine, so like March and i felt great i can still run i still rode um and then the weight floor is awesome so i'm still being able to do orange theory i'm loving walks still i really need to start incorporating more stretching maybe some more yoga stretching is just hard for me because i don't like to just sit down and Move slowly. I'm kind of like a fast paced person if you haven't been able to tell. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely need to be doing more yoga and stretching. I'm also getting a lot more anxious and curious about birth. So, I'm 29 weeks. So, baby really should be here in the next 10 weeks. And I'm not, I'm more so excited, anxious. I'm not really scared. There are some things that, you know, at first glance or at first thought freak me out but all in all I'm really not nervous I'm really not scared I'm super excited for that experience because I just think that's so me I love I love ex- new experiences and especially challenging experiences where it's you know life changing and it's beautiful and it's just a moment where you kind of look back and you're like, damn, like my body's fucking cool that I can do that. And so I'm really excited for that experience, but I'm getting a lot more anxious about it. So I've been watching a ton of birth vlogs on YouTube and I'm about to start listening to some podcasts about hypnobirthing and audiobooks books about hip- hypnobirthing and just different techniques that you can do to help with relaxation and help rule out fearful thoughts. And I'm just getting really excited about it. So that is that for the updates. Let's just get right in to this episode. So today's episode is a really informative, super super interesting one. I am interviewing Kylie Halloran, who I used to work with at the Acupuncture Clinic of Boulder. So she is actually an acupuncturist. I'm not that cool. I just I just worked front desk. And that's how I met Kylie. She was my acupuncturist. She helped me with oh everything from anxiety to hormones to digestion to getting my menstrual cycle back and even just going in for tune-ups and getting my immune system boosted or just regulating my body. So she's been my go-to acupuncturist ever since I have worked at the clinic Kylie is a board-certified acupuncturist in the state of Colorado, and she's also attained certificates in hormone balance, infertility, neurofunctional acupuncture, dry needling, facial rejuvenation acupuncture, injection therapy, and so much more. Wow. Those are very impressive. Um, Again, I'm not that cool. Kylie is actually certified. I just worked front desk when I met her. (laughs) But anyway, I'm not gonna waste any more of you guys' time. If you guys are interested in acupuncture, this is the episode for you. I swear by it. I think it's one of the best things that you can do for your whole body wellness and your whole body health. And yeah, I just think you guys are really going to love this episode. We talk all things acupuncture, Chinese herbs, and then I also have her answer some of the questions that you guys asked me over Instagram that you wanted to know about acupuncture. So, Let's just get into it. Let's I want do it. you to kind of tell everybody how you got into acupuncture, how you got started, and especially with Chinese herbs as well. So, kind of just how you started with all that.
0: Sure. So, I became an acupuncturist kind of on a roundabout journey. I wasn't, I never thought in a million years I would be an acupuncturist. I don't like needles. Um, and you know, just so on and so forth. And I, but I had back pain when I was an undergrad and I went to a chiropractor who used these funny little tools um, to do kind of a myofascial scraping technique on my low back. And it really helped. And I had no back pain for a few months after the treatment. And I thought it was really amazing. And that technique is called in Western, kind of Western world, it's called the Graston technique. So a few years after my undergrad, I was living abroad, and my back pain came back, and I was doing a lot of yoga at that time, and my yoga teacher was an acupuncturist, and I, one day after class, asked her if she knew anything about this technique that I thought was so amazing, and she was like, yeah, that's called gua sha. That's a Chinese medicine technique, and I was like, oh, okay. She's like, yeah, sure, I could do that for you, and we should do some acupuncture, too, and at that point in time, I didn't really know much about acupuncture. I'd had a treatment um, from an acupuncturist when I was living in Costa Rica, but I really don't know what he treated me for. I went in, he didn't speak much English. I didn't speak Chinese. Spanish should have been a common language, but that really wasn't happening either. Yeah. So I just like had this random treatment. It was really cool. And that was that. So at that point in time, I didn't even know that I could study Chinese medicine, um, my false assumption was like, oh, you just have to be an old Chinese dude to be yeah. an acupuncturist, <laughs> and so then, to my surprise, years later, I was living abroad, and I met this really cool woman from New York City who was a yoga teacher, happened to be an acupuncturist, and my mind was blown, um, and so I ended up, it was a long story long, I ended up getting treatments from her, my back pain went away, I thought it was amazing, She actually was leaving Panama, and I had a total panic that I wouldn't be able to do yoga without her. And so I flew to New York City, where my best friend lives, and I took a a month-long yoga teacher training. And kind of on a whim, I decided to go to an acupuncture college, because I found out that those exist in the U.S., um, in most major cities, turns out, and... I went and sat in on a class at an acupuncture school and the lecture happened to be all about women's health. And again, my mind was kind of blown and I was like, yes, this is amazing. This is what I wanna do with my life. Um, just thinking of like actually like, careers, I didn't want a job where I had to sit. I love helping people. I find the body and alternative medicine or complementary medicine fascinating. Um, and so I spent the rest of that summer going around the US and sitting in on lectures at different acupuncture schools. It just kind of made a big road trip out of it. And the school that I really liked the best was in Boulder. And here I am. What school was it? later. It's called Southwest Acupuncture College, or SWAC uh, for Okay. Short. So, so you never like thought about becoming an acupuncturist until after college? Correct, yeah. I finished my undergrad had intentions of like maybe going back to study english lit being a professor never did i think that i would be on this journey of healthcare right honest. which
1: english profe- like teaching english would probably be a lot of sitting so yes. you picked the right career <laughs> <laughs> right
0: and the whole like tenure track and all of that exactly
1: yeah. so that was my other
0: question so how long mm-hmm. is acupuncture school Great question. It is three to four years as a master's degree. So you can kind of fast track it and take more classes in a condensed amount of time and make it a three-year program or most people do it in four years. Do you need an undergraduate degree? Yes. Okay,
1: so it's basically like like grad school. Yep,
0: exactly. Yeah, okay. it's a master's level certification. In some, in some states, it is also a doctoral degree.
1: And is how is acupuncture score? Are you guys just like poking each other? Like are you guys practicing on each other?
0: Yeah, we do. I the wow. first I mean within the first probably few weeks, we are starting to learn techniques. So there are all these different types of classes. So you're learning theory, you're learning diagnosis. you're also taking Western classes. so you have to take years of differentiation of disease that way you can roll out red flags, that way you can speak to you know, Western disease and what's happening, pathology. Um, but then you're also in clinic. So after you, after you pass a few of your first semesters of classes where you're learning point location, then you get to go into clinic and start treating patients. And so you're simultaneously taking all these classes and learning theory and learning techniques and then you're treating real patients that pay to come to the clinic
1: which is how school should be. Like you learn something and then you apply it. That was always my biggest struggle with school was I was, especially math. I was like, I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to do it in real life. So like, what's the point? You know? Yeah. Acupuncture is basically an an Eastern tradition, correct? Correct. So you're learning then the Eastern traditions and how to apply to the West. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just Eastern focused when you're in school, you're, you're definitely learning about like the Western medicine and
0: things. Okay. Yep, you are because they work really well together. Right. I, mean, I always tell my patients like of course you can go to PT, of course you can take your prescription. I mean there are all sorts of ways that I think the the different medicines inform each other and work better together. Right.
1: And I think that's part of the the misconception with acupuncture too. When I first was introduced to acupuncture, I was kind of like okay, this is a very Eastern thing. Like it's very taboo. Not really a lot of people do it, but you guys like to blend both Western and Eastern and you guys take account of Western and and, and also do Eastern. I think that's really important because a lot of people Mm -hmm. just view it as something that like, oh, that's kind of like a
0: weird wellness thing, you know? Yeah, I think I'm lucky the the clinic that I ended up practicing at, um, most of our referrals come from doctors in the Boulder area. And so for them, it's like, why don't we try acupuncture before we do surgery? Or why don't we try acupuncture before we do X, Y, or Z? And so it's almost like, sometimes it's a last ditch effort, um, but it's also such good medicine like for inflammation and for pain. And um, we, I mean, we do a lot of work with women's health too. So I think there is a way that it, it works really well with Western medicine.
1: Right. And I, I don't know if that's like a Colorado thing or a Boulder thing where the doctors are like suggesting acupuncture, but yeah, yeah, that's, that is like, I, I love that I can go and get acupuncture, but it's, it's considered like a normal thing, a normal like way yeah. to treat some like something that you're struggling with.
0: Yeah. it's not weird. So for
1: people who don't really know what acupuncture is, then can you kind of explain it?
0: Sure. Um, acupuncture is a part of Chinese medicine. And so just like yoga, there are all these branches of yoga, same with acupuncture. So with, with Chinese medicine, acupuncture is one branch where we're actually, you know, putting hair thin needles into specific points on a patient's body. Um, Typically I explain that what it does is it connects with the peripheral nervous system to the central nervous system to the brain to make changes kind of to communicate different changes that we want to make in the body it's really great at reducing inflammation it's great at promoting blood flow those are the big the big things that it does it also has an effect on the nervous system um, most patients feel really really relaxed once the needles are in um, and then typically a treatment lasts anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes patients rest with the needles and just have a little i call it an acu they <laughs> get to hang out but then along with those other kind of the other branches of the medicine we do study chinese herbs for 3 to 4 years we study chinese nutrition and so it's a whole system of medicine it's not acupuncture is not only needles and so if i have patients that are afraid of needles and don't want them by all means, you don't have to have them. There are other things that we can do. Body work is also a part of Chinese medicine as well. Um, that's really heavily focused on in in China, whereas here we kind of dip our toes into it. But I would say we practice acupuncture and herbs more than body work with it. What is the body work? It's called Tuina. Mm. Um So it's is Chinese. It kind of like Reiki. Mm. No, no, it is. Reiki's not Reiki is like energy, right? Yeah. yeah, whereas tui na is more medical massage. Gotcha. Um, so it was incredible. The hospital I studied at in China had a whole floor of practitioners who studied Chinese medicine for like eight years, and then they chose to do the bodywork portion. Wow. Uh, so there, I mean, the way that it's integrated in China, it's like it's not private practice like we have it here. Mm. If you're sick, you can choose to go to a traditional Chinese medicine hospital, which would have the acupuncture in it. Um, And there are all these different floors where you get your physical therapy, you get your medical massage. Um, There's a giant apothecary on the first floor where all the herb formulas are being made. And then you get multiple treatments within one day. I want to go there and I'm not even like suffering at all. It's really cool. Yeah, And then, you know, and the, and the doctors there, they learn to read CT scans and MRIs and they can also prescribe Western meds. Whereas we don't do that here. We leave that up to the Western doctors. Um, and then the way that they practice in China is like, if you need a surgery, you go to the Western hospital, you get your surgery, unless it's minor. And then when you want to recover and do your rehab, you go literally across the street where I was in Harbin, China. Um, You go to the Chinese medicine hospital and then you do all of those other therapies. So the healing time is much faster. Right. They got it figured out over there. They do. So can you
1: explain a little bit of the, cause it's acupuncture points, correct? Yes. What is that? Is it called myriads or what is, what is that? Where you're... Meridians.
0: Meridians. I knew it started with an M. Can you explain that (laughs) a little bit? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So I often explain um, the acupuncture, I call them highways because I think it just makes more sense. Just like in Western medicine, how you have dermatomes, those nerve pathways or myotomes, the muscle pathways. In Chinese medicine, we have our own highway system. We call them meridians or channels. They begin on the fingers and the toes and they're all interconnected. And the highway itself is named for the organ that it passes through. And so there are a few different ways that you can treat when you're, when a patient comes in the office, you can either think of it as, okay, if a patient comes in with pain, what highway is that, is that pain on? Mm-hmm. Same with the dermatome or myotome. It's just that our highways are called something else based on the organ that they go to. So if a, if a patient comes in with pain, I'm immediately thinking, what highway is that on? And then if it's more of an internal issue, digestion, sleep, female health, men's health, um, emotional issues, then I'm thinking more about the organ or the organ systems that are interacting versus what highway is that on? Where's the pain located?
1: So that's kind of how you go about treating a patient is, is using Mm -hmm. those as a guide.
0: Yep. And then you can blend them too. Oh, you can. So Yeah. So for instance, if a patient comes in with pain, I'll be thinking, you know, the pain's on their trapezius, say, like up in their shoulders. I'll be thinking, okay, what highway is that on? But then they also have poor sleep at night. There's a way that you can combine the channel theory with internal diagnosis theory. So you're always kind of, yeah, you're kind of blending points. Of course, there are patients that just come in with pain or that don't come in with pain and they, you know, they're strictly... Sleep or digestion but right but that's so that's the cool thing
1: about acupuncture is you can go in for X, y, and Z and you can get treated for those things at the same time
0: yeah and it's kind of like peeling the layers of an onion too I think as patients get better it's like oh yeah my my sleep's better or um, I've noticed that my mood is better or my my cycles more regular so it's like right you know we can work on other layers of things
1: yeah I think a lot of people, are turned off to the idea of acupuncture because of the needles. Like you said, you hated needles, and that was nothing like I hated needles. I got my ears pierced at eight years old, and I literally passed out when my mom changed them because I hate needles. <laughs> so I think I think a lot of people just wince at the the word acupuncture itself. Right. So can you kind of go into explaining like what a treatment's like, kind of the environment, and and again like the needles and and just yeah. everything about the environment about it.
0: Yeah. Um, the needles are filiform. They're not hollow. They're not hypodermic. They don't have a beveled edge. They come to a point. And then typically they have a, a coat on them to make them more hypoallergenic. Um, you can barely feel them. So we use a guide tube. We put pressure against the skin and then tap them in. Most of my patients that have never had a treatment, when I do the first one, they're like, oh, that was it. And they're really surprised at how, how much they little, how little they feel. Mm. Um, once the points are in, you might feel different sensations at the points. And I say that that's kind of the highway opening up. We're getting blood to flow, lymph, we're circulating energy for lack of a better word, but kind of little different sensations. And some people don't feel that at all. Um, for the most part, most patients feel relaxed. There is, um, a component that happens with the nervous system where we're trying to get the body out of the fight or flight and into the rest and digest, um, where, you know, true healing occurs. And so that is when like your stomach starts to gurgle, right? You guys always used to yeah. tell me that whenever, whenever you're
1: laying there, you can, you know, that you're you're in like the, what is it? Parasympathetic? Mm-hmm,
0: the parasympathetic. Yeah, yeah. When
1: you're, when your tummy's like gurgling.
0: Yeah. It's
1: the coolest thing because it usually happens like 10 minutes after you put the needles in. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm relaxed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Or you might feel heavy or like, right. oh, I can barely lift my arms. It's like, yeah, right. the nervous system's just calming down.
1: The weirdest thing for me is whenever I'm getting acupuncture, I feel like my palms, because they're face down, I feel like my palms mm-hmm. are turned open to Mm -hmm. To the ceiling, it's so Mm -hmm. weird, but it just it always happens. It's
0: the same thing. That you know might be unique to you. I don't know, right? (laughs) Other people might experience other things, and then I feel like no matter what, I'm always trying to make it a comfortable experience for patients. So I have patients who prefer to have one arm free without any needles, or they want to read a book, or they want to listen to a podcast. So you know, some people pass out, and they're like, "Yes, turn the lights off, let me chill," and we really just kind of try to make it as comfortable. And enjoyable for anybody, you know, for whatever level they're at or where they're at,
1: right? And and where you work, you can you know control the lighting, you can control the music, Mm -hmm. you can put whatever music on, and it's it it is truly like a relaxing situation. And you guys also have a community room where you can get treated with people.
0: There are community clinics all over the place too, where it's more affordable, it's more sliding scale, Um, so that way it's like you pay you know what you can. And yes, you might have a neighbor you might not. And then there's something I think to be said about group healing too, where it's like somebody else is passed out. They're like super chilling and then your needles go in and then all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, you know, Yeah. <laughs> I always, I'm always shocked. Cause I try to be as quiet as possible in our community room, but like I've had four patients all sleeping at the same time where right. I'm like, this is amazing. How is this right. happening? Right.
1: Because you were saying you guys kind of use guides before you put the needles in and you don't really mm-hmm. feel it. Is there a certain technique that you use? Because you have a really light touch when you put the needles in. And I don't think that's, oh, that could be you. said for everybody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I feel like there's, there are other people that I've been to that are like, all
0: right, needles going in, bam. And I'm
1: like, oh, uh-huh.
0: you know, yeah. Yeah, um, I think that's the really cool thing. And that, that was part of the reason why I chose to study at the school that I went to at SWAC. Um, there are a lot of different styles of how you practice. So there's kind of a science and art to Chinese medicine where you have all these textbooks and you learn the point locations. We have our own measurement system. So you learn all the bony anatomy and then you learn how to measure on each individual person's um you know, inner arm, outer arm. That's a certain amount of, we call them soon. So you're, you know, you're learning from like the lateral epicondyle to the, anyway, it, it kind of <laughs> goes on and on, but basically you learn a system of measurement so that you get the exact location, that, that point location right on every mm. person, mm. according to their anatomy. And then you learn the right angle and depth for every point also. Um, So you just basically, you, you basically
1: treat based on the patient and their body with the touch. Yes.
0: Oh, that's where I was going. So (laughs) within, like, It's late in the day. Long day. Sorry. (laughs) I know. Within Chinese medicine, there are all of these different kind of like subspecialties. You know, there are different, you, you can focus on different areas and Chinese medicine went eventually you know kind of like branched out to to japan and to taiwan Mm. and so you have all of these different interpretations of the medicine and then in boulder specifically we had a sports medicine clinic so there are different ways of inserting needles there are different schools of thought of like whether the patient should feel something or the practitioner should feel something i would say i practice more of a japanese style which is a gentle touch um and with that said, I, do a, I, I also practice a specific style called the balance method, which is a Taiwanese structure of treating. And, so, and that was because I studied with a practitioner named Dr. Tan. And so I kind of blend. You know, I do my own. It's cool because you, you study the science and you study what the textbook says, and then you make it your own. So for people who, again, are scared
1: of needles or just don't Mm -hmm. really know what they want in terms of acupuncture, is there kind of a roadmap that they can, they can maybe, or questions maybe they can ask an acupuncture clinic? Like what kind of style do you, you you know, practice practice? and and Yeah. yeah, how, how would they know like which one's gentler? How, like, how would they go about that?
0: Yeah, I would, I would ask what style. Of practice, you know, the practitioner uses. Japanese techniques are typically the most gentle. Um, there's even a subset of of Japanese um, acupuncture called shonishin that I learned, which is more for pediatrics, but I will use on adults as well. Where you're not using any tool, any needles, you're using these little tools instead. Mm. But yeah, by all means, you should ask, you know, what style the practitioner has, because if you want a gentle treatment. I would not go to a sports acupuncturist. Right. Yeah. Or I would not get dry needling.
1: Right. That leads me to my next question. I was going to ask you, can you explain what dry needling is? Because you can only really do dry needling for a certain amount of things, right?
0: Yes. It's more for musculoskeletal issues, for injuries, for pain. Okay. And what is that like? So within acupuncture the realm of acupuncture we learn it as trigger point basically you're going into the to the belly of the muscle or these trigger points areas where maybe the fascia is a little more bound up and you're actually trying to get the muscle to fasciculate or to twitch and release so you're trying to get a muscle out of spasm basically or you're trying to get a muscle that maybe is under firing to fire or one that's over to relax it's basically a reset of the muscle So how does that happen? Like, how do you do that? You use a thicker needle Mm -hmm. and you just make sure that you're at the trigger point. You can Mm -hmm. feel it with palpation. Sometimes it'll feel like a ropey band Mm. and you, you go into that point and the muscle will twitch. Uh,
1: So does it stay in there like acupuncture does though?
0: No, not typically. Although in one dry needling class that I took, um, now practitioners are adding stem to the points mm-hmm. and letting the patient sit for a little bit, which is, I think, a relatively new addition in the world of um, like PTs where that's something that we would do with acupuncture beforehand, I guess, but right. maybe not necessarily with trying to get the muscles to, to continuously twitch, but I use a lot of stem around joints um, where there's less blood flow. So yes, and it would be a shorter amount of time where like with an acupuncture treatment, um, we would put the needles in and let you rest for a while with the dry needling. You know, if you, you either get a muscle to fully release and you twitch it out, or you could put on the tens unit or the stim machine for like five, 10 minutes.
1: And then can you explain
0: Moxa what that is? Yes. Moxa is an herb called Artemisia vulgaris or mugwort. And it's a really, it's a warming herb. It's nourishing. Often I use it a lot in the winter time. So if a patient comes in and they're just like cold or tired or just it's, I feel like they're they're more on the depleted side, I would use the moxa, either roll it up into a ball, put it on top of the needle and light it, but it sends warmth when you light it um, on the needle, it sends warmth down into the point and it also stimulates the immune system. So it's a really good immune boost too. like if a patient's fighting a cold.
1: I love the smell of Moxa. I, I was like, can you just please
0: do it on me? Because
1: <laughs> it's like, it's not like firewood, but it's almost no. like that. It's kind of smoke, but it's not, it's different.
0: Yeah, it's yummy. Yeah, and then I love we actually, it. We also use it to help flip-breach babies. So mm. we use it on the outside of the pinky toe and we roll little rice grain size pieces. We put down a little bit of a burn cream and then we light the pieces one by one, basically until the toes are toasted. And you know, we'll, we'll go each toe, the pinky toe on each foot, um, until the mama's like, yep, I've had enough. And then we'll send her home with a moxa stick mm. that's smokeless for their partner to do at home. So how does that flip and reach baby? Good question. That the outside of the pinky toe is the bladder highway and the bladder highway Mm. goes from the outside of the pinky toe up through the back of the legs and then up both paraspinal muscles basically to the back of the head. So it, it runs through the lower back and helps relax those muscles.
1: Mm.
0: I know a few OBGYNs that work in Boulder and it's, in their textbook too, um, that says, you know, an option for flipping breech baby is moxibustion. Wow. And so we get quite a few referrals from Boulder community for our mamas that are breech.
1: Hopefully I won't have to deal with that, but if I yeah. do, I won't mind it because I like the moxa smell. So that
0: doesn't yes, bother you me. Do.
1: Is it because the baby then has more room to turn?
0: Yeah, that's okay. what I think. Yeah. hmm And then the there's another OB at the hospital who said that the difference between like, a mom who has used the Moxa, um, and then goes in for a version where the Western doctor is actually kind of like manipulating and kind of moving mm-hmm. the baby. Um, they said that it's the difference between a gentle nudge and like a forceful. Oof, like a forceful right. push. So, if I think, you know, if we can get those muscles to relax and give baby a little more room, a little space to flip, then it just encourages baby. To- yeah,
1: I'm way more on board with that technique than yeah. <laughs> the alternative. Right. What are, what would you say are the most common reasons people come in for acupuncture?
0: Pain, probably number one. That's how most people get to acupuncture. And then lots of fertility painful menstrual cycles, regulate cycles. I'd say those are the big things. And then digestion, I treat a lot of digestion patients. What would you say are your specialties? Women's health and pain.
1: Yeah, so like menstrual issues? Mm -hmm.
0: Yep, lots of fertility treatments. And then also um, perimenopause and menopause. Acupuncture is amazing for hot flashes. And so I think that's something that I didn't realize when I was sitting in that class all those years ago, the, the instructor was talking about how um, a lot of dysregulation or disease, like dis-ease in the body um, in Chinese medicine, things that we just take for granted or just think are you know part of life in our culture are not considered normal in Chinese medicine. So like PMS, painful menstrual cycles, that is not considered normal. That's considered like there is something going on in the body that needs looked at. Mm. And so, and same with menopause, like hot flashes in Chinese medicine are not considered normal. It's like your body is telling you something that needs Mm. to be addressed. And so it's not something you have to live with or suffer from.
1: Right. It's something that can be regulated. Right, right. Okay. So a few, um, just kind of know before you go things Yeah. for acupuncture, is there kind of a standard like guideline of how many times someone should go before seeing results or, you know, giving it like a fair chance? That's a good question.
0: I normally say that six, six sessions is a course (laughs) of treatment.
1: Okay. So six before, you know, we'll start to see any results or just maybe giving it a fair chance
0: always want to see results every treatment but it depends how long something's been going on if you've had pain for a year i wouldn't expect it to be gone in one treatment just like you know if you've been overeating for a year and go to the gym once you're probably not gonna have have a beach bod (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so for i would say the longer you've had the issue the more time it takes to resolve Um, You know, if you rolled your ankle and come right in for a treatment, we can do a bunch of things that will help with the inflammation and help it feel better almost instantly. Um, But in general, I normally say like, you know, three to six treatments, six, it would be a whole course of treatment. And then if it's something different, like, you know, if you're trying to regulate your menstrual cycle or get rid of PMS, it's going to take a few months, a few cycles that I would want to see a patient through.
1: Is there any kind of food to avoid before you go or can you like work out before you go or after or like what is, is there anything like to avoid or not do before you go to acupuncture or after acupuncture? Um,
0: Definitely eat if you're hungry. Yeah. I, I just like- you know, go through your normal day. It's just an appointment. Like I have had patients that come in and they're like, I didn't eat anything. I'm like, why would you do that? You're just yeah. going to be hungry on the table. <laughs> right, you know? Can right. I, can I give you some nuts or a banana? Like <laughs> yeah. a spoonful of peanut butter or something? <laughs> yeah. Um, And then typically I just say, listen to your body after. If you're feeling really tired out, you probably were tired to begin with, or you've been overdoing it. Um, And so I always say hydrate a little bit more after a treatment because there is kind of a a little bit of a flushing or detox effect. Um, But by all means, I have patients that go to the gym later in the day can. It's just kind of like know your own limits. I also will say if a patient comes in with back pain and then they feel better, but they threw their back out shoveling or raking, like don't go do that just because you feel better. Like let yourself rest a little bit. So I do think there's also... A mindfulness connection. Right. The acupuncture builds too of like really listening to your body and how it feels. Which is super important.
1: Yeah. What is there kind of like a time of day that is best for certain people, or does it really not matter what time you go?
0: No, not really. I think um if you know that you're worn out and you're coming in because of stress or anxiety or fatigue, like maybe planning it later in the day because you might feel tired after and maybe you don't want to go to work or to class or whatever you have going on. Um, But no, I have patients that come on their lunch break or come first thing in the morning. I think it's just whatever works best in your schedule. And then, okay, I want to get
1: a little bit into Chinese herbs. Yes. What is the process of learning these? Because when I worked at the acupuncture clinic, I could not tell you how to pronounce any of the herbs and i just yeah. do you have to learn like full blown chinese fluently
0: no you you learn the so you learn their english names you learn the pinyin which is the chinese name um i know some schools actually make you learn the latin as well we didn't mm. have to learn the latin names um you start learning them as single herbs and so you do about a full year's worth of you go category by category so you start with herbs that are for colds and and flus and sickness Um, we call it when heat when cold and then you go into herbs that are anti-inflammatory we call them blood movers you go into nourishing herbs blood building herbs Uh, so you learn them all by categories you spend about a year doing that And then you start learning them as formulas so it's pretty rare when a chinese herb is ever given as a single herb that's more of a western way of prescribing like i have a lot of patients that come in and they're taking saint john's wort or valerian and we don't do that in chinese medicine we always give herbs in partnerships because they um, help each other and so then you learn all of the classical formulas and again you're learning them category by category these these are the formulas for colds and flus. These are the formulas for nourishing blood. These are the formulas for calming spirit. We would say those help with sleep. Um, And then what's really cool about Chinese herbs is that you meet the patient, you get all their symptoms, and then you can customize a formula. So you might, you know, maybe I have a woman with um, menopause and she's coming in with hot flashes. So I might think of a f- traditional formula for her, like Zirbai Diwangwan, but then she also has a little bit of stomach issues. You know, she has, she's constipated. So I might throw in some herbs for that. Mm. Um, same with regulating a cycle. So you have all these classical formulas, but then you can kind of build and modify them based on the specific patient. So one herb isn't going to throw off the other if mm-hmm. they're mixed together. No, they help each other. In the formulas, when we learn them, you have, um, wow, I haven't thought about this in a while. Um, <laughs> you have the kind of the chief herb, the main herb that guides the formula and tells it what to do. And then they have an assistant um, and then the, their other herbs kind of, and they go sequentially, I would say in the, f- the first herb of the formula, will, will get the biggest dosage. Mm. So all the herbs have different dosages
1: mm. and then- and- are they, are they, how do you take them? Is it going to be tea? Can it be a capsule? Mm-hmm. Just yeah.
0: either but, one of those. Yeah. And then some, some herbalists or some practices will also have the raw version of the herbs where you actually cook them yourself. Mm. You boil them and then you, you strain them and make a tea. Whereas mm. what we carried at our, carry at our, um, Office are granular versions of it, so they've already been cooked and then dehydrated. So all you do is add water, and make the hot tea. But then the formulas are also in um, capsule form as well. And the teas don't taste the best, but <laughs> they work. <laughs> you know, I think it depends on what it's for. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> sometimes the ones that sometimes the formulas that taste nasty can be the ones that you need. Right. Or they or they can be, you know, like a nasty tasting cold formula won't taste bad if you're sick. Right. Because they have those bitter herbs, but like if you're sick, it might actually taste good.
1: Do you think Chinese herbs are something that people can take daily or is it on a need basis or how does that work?
0: Both. I have patients that have been on formulas for a year um, or more. And then I have patients that, you know, they get sick and they need a formula for their mucus and their sinuses or seasonal allergies. I have a lot of patients that get formulas only for specific times of the year.
1: And do you think that it's something that you need to take in conjunction to acupuncture or can it just be on its own or does it even need to be paired with
0: acupuncture? Either or. I mean, the nice thing about the formulas is that most people can't get a treatment every day or a couple times a week or even weekly, but they could take a formula every day. And so depending on what you're working on, if it's sleep, if it's digestion, if it's mood regulation, um, cycles, that kind of thing, then by all means, I think taking a formula is great. It's not something that you need forever. Same with acupuncture, the idea isn't that you need it forever, but that it gets you back to health or back in balance. And then you know, a lot of my patients, they come for a monthly tune-up so herbs, no, you don't need them forever, but they're your friends and they, you can use them periodically as you need them. And same with acupuncture. I mean, a lot of patients, I have some patients that come every week because they're stressed and it's like the one break they get in their week where they can just chill out and um, get into a Zen place. I have other patients that come once every four weeks or six weeks because their hot flashes are coming back a little bit or you know, they just need that regulation. So the herbs
1: aren't something that are meant to be like a superfood, like an avocado, eat it every day, you know, it's, it's just kind of like to help you and, and, and kind of regulate you eventually. Correct. Okay. Now I want to get into the questions from Instagram. Oh, how Yeah. Fun. Okay. So the first one was what are the benefits for hormones and or acne? Like how do you go about treating a patient who comes in and says, Hey, I have terrible acne. Is it because of hormones? How do you treat that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So if the patient notices that their acne is hormone related, like with their cycle, then absolutely. We're going to treat their cycle. If, if it's not a related thing, if they don't, if they're not recognizing that it is related for them and their cycle, then I would treat it sometimes depends. I would look at it more through like the digestive system. Um, In Chinese medicine, we often look at the digestive tract as having to do with skin skin issues. Um, But again, because the medicine is tailored to the individual, there's not really a one size fits all answer. So it's not like, yes, go take this formula because... The formulas are customized for the patient. We can have two women come in that both get acne with their cycle, but they're not going to get the exact same treatment or the exact same formula. So we have to know kind of what's going on in the whole body before we can make a diagnosis. So it's basically about
1: getting to the root cause, which can be different for everybody. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Then the next question is, how can acupuncture help someone with anxiety?
0: Mm, good question. By regulating the nervous system. So it gets the body out of that fight or flight state, the sympathetic nervous system, into the parasympathetic, which we talked about earlier. Um, and oftentimes, I do think there's this way that the body kind of has its own feedback loop, and acupuncture goes in and disrupts that loop. And so if your body is used to being in sympathetic mode all the time, high alert, running here, running there, class, work, gym, yada, yada. Acupuncture goes as like, nope, it's okay to relax and for your body to feel this way. So it re-regulates the body. Do you treat that like kind of
1: similarly for everybody or can that be different too?
0: That can be different too. Yeah, I, al- I always want to know with anxiety, like do you feel it in your chest? Do you feel it in your stomach? Like what does it, how does it manifest for you? Because we're, like you were saying, we're trying to get to the root of what's causing it and trying to, one of my teachers explained it as like, do we need to put air in the tires? Do we need to take air out of the tires? Like, is Mm. it excess? Is it deficient? Um, So anxiety looks different for everybody, you know, so really trying to, trying to tailor the treatment, but it's awesome for anxiety.
1: Yeah. I I went in for anxiety a few times and I swear by it. It helped me out so Mm -hmm. much. The next one I kind of laugh at because I remember going in and when I first started working there, I knew nothing about acupuncture, nothing about injuries or anything. And um, I had a bunch of people call in and be like, do you guys do acupuncture for plantar fasciitis? And I was like, Mm -hmm. what is plantar fasciitis? And I like never knew that was a thing. So that was a question. What what does acupuncture do for plantar fasciitis?
0: I treated it this morning. (laughs) So- You know, with any pain, we're always looking to reduce inflammation. Um, that's inflammation of the fascia with the plantar fasciitis. Same with arthritis. Like itis is inflammation, mm. um, and so acupuncture, by by its mechanism, promotes blood flow and reduces inflammation. So we're kind of speeding up that process and also helping to heal the tissues. So it it, it depends how long you've had it too, right? The body has an amazing healing response that happens with acute injury. Like if you were to go twist your ankle, you know what happens. You get that inflammation cascade, the swelling happens. um, It might feel hot to the touch. Once that becomes more chronic, like after six weeks, your body isn't actively trying to heal that anymore. So the idea with the acupuncture is we go in and we say, hey, there's something going on with this foot and we need to send blood flow here, decrease the inflammation, basically reinvigorate remind the body how to do that healing response.
1: Would somebody feel immediate r-
0: relief or, you know, improvement yeah, with it? Yeah, they can. Absolutely. We're always looking for change. Again, it depends how, how long it's been going on, but we're always looking for relief.
1: And then acupuncture for pregnancy and fertility. So we kind of talked about it a little bit. It can help with fertility and you getting pregnant. But once you're pregnant, what can, can pregnant women go on for?
0: Oh my goodness. So, that's a that's a great question. Typically first trimester, I treat a lot of morning sickness, nausea. Um second trimester, once, you know, once the baby's growing and there's not as much space, acid reflux, I get a lot of. Oh, I might need to come in to get treated by you then because mm-hmm. I have a ton of that. Yep. And then heading like second third trimester that's kind of when like aches and pains start maybe sciatica carpal tunnel um you know hip pain back pain pelvic pain all the fun things
1: all the things
0: and then i also think that women who get acupuncture throughout their pregnancy tend to have smoother labor and deliveries just from what i've seen and then you know third trimester once a patient's at 39 weeks to 40 weeks, then we can start with labor prep.
1: Is that basically for induction or is it
0: to prep Mm -hmm. your body? Yep, both. Um, So sometimes we, you know, if a patient, if a doctor wants to do an induction earlier, we'll have them write a note and to make sure that they're on board with starting acupuncture for induction. Um, And it's not like a magic thing that just instantly puts women into labor, but it can help ripen the cervix. Um, It can help dilate and yeah, dilate the cervix and then um, just kind of promote a smoother, faster labor.
1: And then to move on from the pregnancy, uh, how can acupuncture be used for athletes? Is it strictly kind of just a recovery basis?
0: It can be recovery. Yeah, either... um, Kind of helping muscles that are fatigued or helping you know during like training for any sort of marathon triathlon, we get a lot of patients that are training for different events and they want it for the recovery purpose, um, getting muscles to recover quicker.
1: And then the last question is, how can people who are suffering with car accident injuries, such as nerve pain or headaches,
0: be treated with acupuncture? Great question. Um, I do see quite a bit of that as well. It depends on what the condition is, but there's really, I mean, the the beauty of Chinese medicine is that we don't necessarily need a name to be able to treat it. Mm -hmm. And so I get a lot of patients who come in, you know with neuropathy with um, maybe MTBIs which are mild traumatic brain injuries like because of a car accident it definitely can help with headaches concussion symptoms depending on who the patient is I mean the treatment could look different where we put the acupuncture points but it definitely speeds up healing time and recovery from auto accidents. So not only getting patients out of pain, but like helping with cognition. I've treated some patients um, that have dementia. And then the hospital that I studied at in China uh, had a very, had a specific focus with um, neuro issues. And so lots of like post-stroke paralysis, um, nerve conditions, so we can treat all of that. And the cool thing is that you don't have to put a needle where it hurts because you can use the, the highways that we talked about earlier. So like if I'm treating somebody who is in an active headache or migraine, I might not put needles in their head. I might put them in their hand or their foot because those highways go to their head.
1: Right. Okay. That makes sense. And then before we wrap this up, what would you tell someone who is still nervous to try acupuncture? What would you say to them?
0: very relaxing. Mm -hmm. You could always ask your practitioner to start with a few needles and see if it feels okay. You could always ask them to not to leave an arm free. I've learned that throughout the years too of like, you know, it's nice to feel like you have some control. Mm -hmm. Um, We always give our patients a bell at our clinic. So once we put the needles in, we leave the room, but you have a bell that you can ring if you need us. Um, And then just ask for a gentle treatment too. I mean, you're always in control. You can say, no, I don't want one in my head or no, I don't want one in my ear, but I think just being open to the experience is awesome and it is really calming. So it's a great way to help with anxiety or help with fear, um, get clarity, get focus, that kind of thing. Okay, Kylie, well, thank you so much.
1: It's been my pleasure. If someone wants to get acupuncture from you, where can they find yeah. you and how can they book an appointment?
0: Oh, yeah. I have a website, um, Kylieholleran.com. That is C-A-I-L-E-Y, spelled really weird, dot ncom And I work out of two offices. I'm in Westminster, Colorado, two days a week um, at Allied Healthcare. And I'm also in Boulder at the Acupuncture Clinic of Boulder, three days a week.
1: Great. Well, I'm definitely going to come see you soon. So (laughs) thank you. You will have me in there. Okay.